if you've ever been to the city of Barcelona, Spain, you've probably seen the Sagrada Familia Church. It means Church of the Holy Family, Sagrada Familia. It was designed by the renowned architect Antony Gaudi, who lived from 1852 to 1926. And Antony Gaudi was well known for very whimsical designs, very eccentric shapes and styles in many buildings that are around Barcelona. But Antony Gaudi was also a very, very devout man with a very strong Catholic faith. And the Sagrada Familia Church that he designed was his most grand work, his magnum opus, so to speak, a shrine to the Holy Family. And it is going to be one of the most remarkable buildings on earth. And I say going to be because it isn't fully finished yet. The interior was only completed in 2010. Masses are offered there. But the exterior is still not done. And this is over one, almost 100 years after Gaudi died. It is still not completed. They're hoping to complete it in about 10 or 15 years or so. And the exterior of this building is so remarkable with the facades on all the different sides really telling the story of the Catholic faith using sculpture, much like maybe Notre Dame in Paris, but in a very different style. The top of it, when it's going to be completed, is going to be over 500 feet tall, taller even than St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. It's the tallest building in all of Barcelona. If you've ever been there, you couldn't have missed it. But there's a very interesting detail in its design that I think speaks to our readings today, speaks to this theme of humility. Antony Gaudi designed the Sagrada Familia Church to be three feet shorter than the tallest mountain overlooking the city of Barcelona. Why is that? Well, Gaudi wanted his greatest work, his most beautiful creation, to be just a little bit smaller than the creation that God had already made. And I've always been amazed by that detail. A man who was building a, a church that would rival some of the greatest in the world, that he would be known for well over a hundred years after his death. He would build that building to be just a little shorter than the building, so to speak, that God had already made. Man making something so grand, having an insight such as that, I think, really makes your heart just move. I was amazed when I first heard that detail about the humility of Antony Gaudi. That ambition, sure, to build such a grand place, but that ambition encompassed and assumed, you could say, by the humility that he had before God. Humility is at the heart of our scriptures today brothers and sisters, first in Sirach and even in our gospel too. It is an essential virtue for all of us to work at throughout our lives. And it's, a, it's important for us to work at because all throughout human history we can see a struggle between humility and pride. Whereas humanity constantly tries to assert God instead wants us to be humble instead. We try to put ourselves on a higher pedestal to claim what is ours and to reach for the top. This has been the case since the very beginning of time. 
Adam and Eve reaching out to that apple, trying to grasp that which was of God. Think of the Tower of Babel. Think of John and James asking Jesus for a seat next to him in the heavenly kingdom. There's a common thread in all of those stories. It's that of pride. Pride is, you could say, seeking either an independence from God or wanting to be in his place. Humility, by contrast, brothers and sisters, acknowledges our radical dependence on God and even delights in our littleness before him. And that is at the heart of the parable that Jesus speaks to his apostles today. That we ought to be willing and even, in fact, desire to put ourselves in the lowest place rather than the highest ones. To not reach for the top, so to speak, but to allow others to go before us. Humility puts so many parts of our life in proper perspective. Maybe just like the perspective of that church in relation to the mountain overlooking Barcelona. And we need that perspective, brothers and sisters, in our lives, or else we will inevitably seek that which is not ours. Sirach even reminds us of this in our first reading. He says, what is too sublime for you, seek not. Into things beyond your strength, search not. This is how we are called to live, brothers and sisters. But we are also called to be humble, brothers and sisters, because God has humbled himself already. Before us, our humility should always be a response to God's humility. We're called to be humble before God because he was first humble towards us. Think of it this way. God became one of us. He stooped to our level, so to speak. It takes a great deal of humility for the God of the universe to enter time and to enter humanity. Further, you could even say... God humbled himself by dying for you and for me. God humbled himself, allowing himself to be jeered, to be looked upon as nothing, to be persecuted and put to death. And one could also say that God humbles himself in the Eucharist, becoming bread and wine, becoming the food that nourishes us. God, the creator of all space and time, made himself subject to the laws of space and time, and even made himself subject to death itself. And so we are called to take our rightful place, brothers and sisters, the humble place, as God has already taken that place before us. And I would even argue that much like the Sagrada Familia, the greatness of that church is amplified, I think, by that small gesture of humility, by Antony Gaudi. And I think we too, when we recognize our humility before God, we are able to greater magnify his glory in our world and in our lives. There's a beautiful quote from Cardinal Robert Sarah, who's a cardinal from Africa. And he simply says this, man is only great when he is on his knees before God. Man is only great when he is on his knees before God. I've always found that interior disposition so beautiful and important, but even just that exterior posture, so to speak, it conveys a humility before God when we get down on our knees, if we're able, and kneel before him. 
And from a practical perspective, if you think about it, when we behold the most incredible things this world has to offer to us, we do it on our knees. When we approach the heavenly temple, as we sort of observe in our second reading today, maybe in Eucharistic adoration, most likely we're on our knees before God. When we come to God in sorrow and contrition over our sins, we go to God on our knees in the confessional. And maybe those of a certain age might even remember receiving communion while kneeling. And even though that's not the norm nowadays, I think there's a great deal of wisdom to that. Receiving God's greatest gifts while down on our knees in humility before him. The greatness of our human nature, brothers and sisters, is only fully recognized when we are in humble awe before God. We only become great when we acknowledge our need for God and our dependency on him. So maybe we need to ask ourselves, where do we need to grow in humility this week? What's the grand building that we are constructing that we maybe need to make just a little bit smaller than God's holy mountain? What needs to be knocked down a few notches and brought back to right order? Let us today behold God who humbles himself before humanity, who stoops to the lowest place for us, and live lives of humble service to him and to our neighbor. But let us also observe Jesus humbling himself before us today, most profoundly in the Eucharist, and humble ourselves before him in return.